Hi, you're tuning in to Rusty Thomas, where once a week he brings the brilliance of scripture to every dynamic of life. For the last 40 years, Rusty has served the Lord as a father, minister, and political figure on the streets, churches, and capitals in our nation and abroad. You are going to hear compelling truths that will prayerfully build up your faith and equip you to meet the challenges of life with the confidence of God's Word. This is Kingdom Moments with my father, Rusty Thomas. Well, howdy brothers and sisters. This is Kingdom Moments with Rusty Thomas. Grace and peace be unto you, my brethren. Well, hallelujah. Uh, we got uh, a different kind of podcast, I guess, today. I, well, not necessarily different. Um, we try to kind of spruce things up, change things up a bit. So, you know, sometimes we'll have interviews with movers and shakers, those who are doing a good kingdom work. Uh, other times, you know, it's commentary, taking on the burning issues of the day, you know, through a biblical worldview, uh, you know, different teachings, tackling different topics, you know, biblical topics. And, uh, and then sometimes uh, to just share some stories. Um, I, I find it very interesting that uh, most of the time when it comes to these podcasts, uh, the folks really like to hear stories uh, of how the Lord, you know, may have used us in, in some way to advance his kingdom, his glory, and his great salvation in the earth. So uh, today I'm going to tell you a couple of stories, and they relate to prison and jail ministries, um, jail ministries in such a way where we were arrested and had a captive audience and could not leave once we were done ministering the gospel. But before we do that, I want to open up uh, with the scriptures. Um, there's a powerful testimony narrative of what happened one day when the Apostle Paul and uh, his companion Silas were arrested uh, for ministering the gospel of the kingdom and some powerful things, miraculous things took place and you're probably familiar with it. It's in Acts chapter 16 and we're going to start in verse 25 uh, but I, I'm reading this to understand, yes, this is scripture. Uh, this is true history. It literally did happen. Uh, but as I share some of my testimonies, I, I, I want you to understand we serve a God that is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is still a God who watches over his word to perform it with the caveat of those Christians who cross the line of obedience and follow him and, and minister the gospel of the kingdom. And so here it's at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. Amen. Suddenly there was a great earthquake 
so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. Hallelujah. And the keeper of the prison, awakening from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. Yeah, back then, you did not let a prisoner go free uh, uh, or escape because you were in big-time trouble. Better to kill yourself than to fall into the hands of those that had cruel ways of punishing you in your dereliction of duty. But Paul called with a loud voice saying, Do yourself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light, ran in. Now listen, this is, this is the warden. This is the head honcho. Um, probably a pretty manly man. A uh, man of responsibility. He fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Now, the testimonies I'm going to share with you, there was no earthquake, but I will tell you there were some folks, prisoners and prison guards, who came trembling, <laughs> saying, what must we do to be saved? So they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. Quick mention here, God, salvation, is a family salvation. It is a household salvation. And the statistics bear this out. When children come to faith in Christ, uh, some of the family may follow uh, in a profession of faith. If wives and mothers come to Christ, some of the family may follow and, you know, go forth uh, and partake uh, in the salvation of our Lord. But when men, husbands, and fathers come to the saving grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ, the majority of the family comes to faith in Christ. And when it was day, the magistrates sent the officers saying, let these men go. So the keeper of the prison reported these words to Paul saying, and on and on it goes. But brothers and sisters, I wanted you to understand um, that in serving the Lord and crossing that line of obedience, yes, sometimes uh, we run afoul of the so-called law. And at those times when we have to choose between obedience to Caesar or obedience to Christ, our duty is clear. We must obey God rather than men. And so, obviously, when it comes to the Apostle Paul, uh, he was no stranger to the jail and prison ministry. Out of the 13 epistles that he wrote in the New Testament, Four were actually written from prison. They are Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon. Now, at times, 
in Paul's service to the Lord in advancing the gospel of the kingdom, he was either the Lord's free man or the Lord's prisoner. Now, the venue may have changed in Paul's service, but the ministry always remained the same. So if he was the Lord's freeman, he, he was able to go on missionary journeys and convert the loss and establish churches with solid biblical elders. Now, if he was arrested and thrown in jail, he would take that time not only to worship the Lord and sing hymns and praise, but he would also take the time to write epistle to the churches to make known his care, correction, and encouragement to these fledgling churches. Eventually, he would stand before the authorities, both Jewish and Roman, to give a defense for the faith once and for all delivered to the saints. Now, I got to tell you, during my times of leading Operation Rescue, Operation Save America, we followed this same pattern. We got arrested several times, and yes, the venue changed, but the ministry remained the same. So if we remained on the streets at the death camp, the gospel went forth. Babies were spared, and families and souls came to the saving grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. Now, if they arrested us, we got that jail ministry we always wanted, except, of course, we could not leave uh, when we were done. We actually had to stay incarcerated. And then finally, we would go before judges as a testimony against them, fulfilling the words of our Lord. Here's Matthew 10, 18 through 20. You will be brought before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, do not worry about how or what you should speak, for it will be given to you in that hour what you should speak, for it is not you who speak, but the spirit of your father who speaks in you. And so, brothers and sisters, I got to tell you, the word of the Lord is sure. It is established in the heavens forever. And I got to tell you, uh, I've experienced this on a few occasions. Um, there were times, yes, uh, we were rescuing and, you know, babies were being spared and we were ministering the gospel to the parents and some came to the saving grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ, and there were times we were thrown in prison, and, uh, you know, then our, then our uh, ministry opportunity changed. You know, we went into full evangelism mode, ministering to both the prisoners and the prison guards. And then, of course, we would um, get out of jail and have to go to court. And we would stand before judges, and I will tell you, brothers and sisters, uh, I would always like write down some things that I wanted to share from God's word when I had an opportunity to speak to the judge and to the court. And there were a few times, honestly, uh, when I stood up 
to give in a defense, um, the Holy Spirit would fall and I would literally crumble up the notes and things would come out of my mouth that I did not intellectually know. There were things that came out of my mouth I did not study and it just flowed. And when those words went forth, God's power was made manifest in that courtroom. And so I'm just here to tell you, brothers and sisters, that God's word is true. And I have experienced it on more than one occasion. So before I begin to share, uh, these are probably my two greatest experiences in jail. Uh, I did want to let you know that not every time I went to jail did I experience some powerful religious spiritual happening. But I would say most of the time there were powerful opportunities, salvations amongst the prisoners and prison guards, and even babies that were spared the horrors of abortion by men taking responsibility from jail. We would challenge these men. They would they would come to understand why we were in jail for rescuing children. And they knew we were there for righteousness sake. And, and God used that to give us their hearts and a platform to speak the gospel to them and challenge them in their manhood to rise up and take responsibility for their actions. And so they would call their girlfriends and their wives and tell them, don't murder the baby, don't abort. I'm going to man up and I'm going to take care of you and, and the child. And, and so those were awesome, you know, testimonies to hear and obviously uh, worth great rejoicing in the Lord. Um, but here are two uh, real highlights in serving the Lord uh, in jail for rescuing children from abortion. So I think in times past, I might have shared with you our Houston experience where we pretty much got chewed up, spit out, and stomped to the ground, shunned by the churches, homeless, penniless, um, you know, had four kids, one on the way. Uh, we had home births, but we had no home to birth our son, Elijah. And while all that was happening, I had to serve a jail sentence and then go to another court trial for another rescue. So it was it was a difficult time, to say the least. Uh, it was during that time uh, I had this incredible jail experience in Dallas, Texas. I was serving a two-week uh, sentence for rescuing uh, children at an abortion mill in Fort Worth, uh, Texas. And so when I went in, when they you know, put me into the pod, uh, I noticed there was a certain Chicano gang member. His name was Juan, and he was the strong man of the pod. Uh, typically, when you go uh, to jail or even in a gang situation, you, you have the strong man. He's the one through intimidation and fear he kind of controls the men uh, of that pod. Now, of course, there's a spiritual dynamic to this 
that our Lord spoke about when he talked about, a, you know, a strong man, when his goods are at peace, he folds his arms. But then when a stronger one comes, speaking of Christ, he will plunder the strong man and deliver his goods. So, you know, basically when I walked into the jail, the strong man, Juan, eyeballed me. Uh, and I knew instantly that I got the strong man's attention. And so he, he was like monitoring, you know, my movements. And of course, you know, once I got acclimated into the cell, I went about the task of evangelizing. And I started ministering uh, to the prisoners. And at first it was private. It wasn't public. I was just taking opportunities to minister to the different prisoners. Well, the more I did that, uh, the more the spirit in Juan was getting upset. Uh, he was getting angry. And um, I think uh, the spirit in him knew that another spirit had come in and there was like basically a new sheriff in town kind of deal. And uh, so it was inevitable. There, there was a, a showdown coming, and I could sense it. And I'm like, "Oh boy, if you know, what do I do as a Christian man? You know, do I, do I defend myself? Do I just take a beating? Uh, you know, do I fight back? And I'm wrestling with the Lord because I know um, eventually uh, this showdown." is going to take place. And so eventually it did. And here's the setup, brothers and sisters. It was quite incredible. The only thing that's missing here literally is like, like the Clint Eastwood music in the background. So he like he is on one uh, side of the pod. Uh, I'm on the other side of the pod. And he is slowly walking towards me and boy you know i can feel it man my my stomach is like uh, you know it's it's queasy my knees are starting to knock and i'm just like whatever's happening in my stomach you know flying formation and and i knew enough you know not to turn away my eyes especially if somebody's going to have evil intent to to attack me so you know i kept my eye on him he's coming closer and closer and i'm trying to figure out what the heck do i do you know do i just you know protect myself do i fight back uh is god gonna do something um and so kind of yeah i'm praying <laughs> um there are silent prayers but i uh, you better know uh, i was definitely praying and so you know he gets right up into my face and he goes like this he goes Hey, man, what kind of God you serve bring you to a place like this, huh? What kind of God you serve bring you to a place like this? And uh, when he said that, I just kind of bowed my head, asked the Lord for wisdom. And when I came back up to look into his eyes, I said, Juan, maybe the kind of God I serve brought me to a place like this just for you and brothers and sisters all i could tell you when i said those words the presence and the power of the holy spirit came so strong on juan it literally knocked him to his knees 
Now, this is front of the entire pod. So there's about 60 guys that this guy has controlled with fear. And he is literally on his knees, sobbing like a baby. Now, when I say this guy, this guy was a Chicano gang member. I mean, this guy was tatted up. He was jacked. He had gun wounds. He had knife wounds. I mean, this guy was the real deal. And so here he is sobbing, and I get on my knees next to him, and I put my arm around him, and I begin to pray for him. And right then and there, in front of God and all these witnesses, he surrendered his life to Christ. God gloriously saved him. Now, the strong man was gone, and now the stronger one, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, took control of that pod. And literally, in one divine second, not only did he save Juan, but he gave me all the hearts of these men. And I literally, I became their pastor, and they became my flock. And for about a week and a half, I got to disciple and mentor and lead uh, these prisoners to the Lord. It was such a powerful experience, brothers and sisters. Like, I've, I've been to jail probably, you know, I don't know, several times. I got arrested about 50, and, and some of those times they actually put me in jail. But I, I, I got to be honest with you, this was the most difficult to actually leave these men. And uh, when the day finally came and, you know, I was released, I won't say everybody, but I'd say probably about two-thirds of the men fell on my neck, and some of them wept. And uh, it was clear that uh, the Lord had made such an incredible uh, connection uh, with these prisoners. And before I left that very day, Juan actually took string from his bed and he crafted a cross, a necklace with a cross on it made out of the string of the bed. And before I left, he put it on my neck and he gave it to me as uh, something to keep as a token uh, for the time that we had together in jail. And so Brothers and sisters, that's uh, one uh, testimony that was just so powerful in the Lord. And uh, I'm going to go on to the second. Uh, this happened during our walk across America. Flip and I and a team of eight others with a horse and a donkey. <laughs> we had a, quite a dog and pony show, but we literally walked across America from San Clemente, California, to Washington, D.C. It's about 2,800 miles. We probably walked 24, 2,500 of the miles. Uh, there were certain roads that had no shoulders. We just couldn't do it. Uh, but it was a kingdom adventure every single day, so powerful. It would take me several episodes to go through all the stories of our walk across America, but it was probably our greatest adventure in serving the Lord in all our years in Operation Rescue, Operation Save America. 
Uh, but anyway, that year on the Walk Across America, we had our national event in Columbus, Ohio, and we were greeted by the pro-aborts, the sodomites, and Muslims. Um, it's amazing. <laughs> um, you know, normally they wouldn't give each other the time of day and actually would hate each other. Uh, but when it came to Christ and our ministry in Columbus, Ohio, uh, they were all united against us. And it was uh, an incredible ordeal. No church would host us. So we had all of our teachings and rallies at outside City Hall. And um, and so, yeah, the the lesbians were taking off their blouses in front of our kids and you know, parading their sin like Sodom, and, you know, they had their horns and the bells and the whistles and the clashing, and, uh, yeah, it was uh, it was intense. It was like a Mount Carmel uh, deal with the, you know, prophets of Baal and the ministers of the gospel of the kingdom, and it was a clear display of this battle between light and darkness, truth and a lie, and... Uh, so anyway, uh, one of the days, uh, Flip decides, you know what? I think we're going to uh, burn uh, some of the uh, uh, things that represent the abominations taking place uh, in America. So we had the uh, homosexual rainbow flag. We had um, uh, the Roe versus Wade decision and other items and uh, we even got a permit uh, to burn it outside City Hall. But apparently we were like 20 minutes over the limit. And let's just say the police uh, weren't liking us very much. Uh, they were clearly on the side of evil and uh, clearly on the side of the pro-aborts and the sodomites and the Muslims against us. They literally had federal snipers <laughs> on the buildings um, and, uh, when we were going to, uh, burn these items, uh, literally at one point before we got the permit, we were surrounded by 150 police and they had their tasers on. They're getting ready to tase us. And, uh, so it like, this was like a very intense time. Uh, one of the humorous things that happened that night, uh, as soon as they turned on the tasers, uh, one of the brothers, Scott Heldreth, decided to take the pot and just start walking around Columbus, Ohio. So literally all night long, there's, you know, Christians with this pot followed literally by 150 police on horseback. And we're just walking around, you know, praising the Lord, praying and looking for the opportunity to burn these items. Uh, it was very humorous. Of course, we're challenging the police. You know, did you sign up for something like this? I mean, this is insane. You know, stop it. Um, but anyway, that's another side story there. But um, so the the day does come. The time does come to uh, burn it. And um, once again, um, the lot falls to me uh, to burn it. And so I do. And as soon as I do, here comes the police. Uh, they handcuff me, they throw me in the paddy wagon, and then they line up all these heavy-duty officials, you know, the fire department, the feds, they're all coming into the paddy wagon, um, and it's like they're threatening me to, like, you know, 
put me in Siberia somewhere. You're in big time trouble. You know, this is a federal offense and all this kind of stuff. And so they're trying to scare the daylights out of me. And and um, so finally, the police haul me uh, to jail. And on the way, I, I ministered the gospel uh, to two of the police officers and uh, and they dropped me off and their heart kind of softened towards me. Uh, once, uh, we arrived at jail. So here I am, you know, we're, we're in the midst of, uh, the jail. And, um, so I get in and they throw me into, you know, a holding station. And there's probably again, about 60 prisoners, you know, that are there. And, um, so I'm kind of getting acclimated, and uh, and all of a sudden, about an hour into you know being held with these men, somebody shouts my name, Rusty, Rusty, and I'm like, yeah, uh, I know, but I know nobody else from our group was arrested so I, for the life of me I couldn't imagine who would be calling my name and uh, and he, and the guy kept doing it and I'm seat, I'm seated down I'm seat, seated down and um, you know one of the prisoners came to me and said your name is Rusty right and I go yeah he goes well you know I think there's a guy out here calling your name I said well nobody nobody would know that it's it's me like I I don't I don't think it's me maybe there's a Sheriff deputy named Rusty. And, you know, I just couldn't imagine that if somebody calling my name, you know, in this holding cell. So the guy goes, no, like, come and see. I think this guy's calling for you. And so I, I go to the door and it has a window in it. And sure enough, there's a guy. He's still shouting my name and he's looking into all the different holding cells and Come to find out, this guy is a federal marshal, and he went specifically to to the the jail to encourage me. And so, as soon as my eyes meet his, and he recognizes me, he a big smile comes on his face, and he gives me a thumbs up. Now. What's interesting, well, obviously that's interesting in many levels, but there was a lot of the prisoners who were curious about my name being shouted uh, in the holding cell. So they're around the door and they see this connection that I make with this federal marshal. And so they all look at me like, dude, who are you? And right away, uh, the door opens wide. God used this federal marshal just to open wide the door to minister the gospel of the kingdom. So, you know, I share with them, you know, the ministry and rescue and what happened downtown and, and man, just the opportunities to minister the gospel of the kingdom just explodes the door opens wide well as i'm ministering the gospel of the kingdom to the prisoners the cell door opens 
and the police let loose a raging bull. This is a Hispanic guy. He is drunk out of his mind, and he is incensed. I mean, he is he is a raging bull. They throw him into the, the, the cell. Of course, everybody's backing off and backing up and giving him plenty of space, and he rushes to the other side of the cell, and literally with his fists, he's pounding brick, like busting up his knuckles and blood and stuff like that. I mean, this guy had murder and rage in his heart, and everybody is freaking out. And so he he turns around, and everybody's on high alert because we don't know if he's going to go off on anybody, and he just starts to stare down everybody. And so, obviously, this is a tense situation. We're not quite sure what's going to happen. And then all of a sudden, and everything I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, this is the gospel truth. All of a sudden, his eyes meet mine. And when his eyes meet mine, he comes walking towards me. He sits down next to me, and he literally put his head on my shoulder gospel truth and so I put there was a language barrier um, so I put my hands in the form of a prayer saying I'm gonna pray for you and so I put my arm around him and I pray for him now what happened is every single except one guy and I'll get to him later because this is when I thought I was gonna die Literally, I was going to be murdered uh, in the cell. I'll get to this guy later because he was sleeping. Um, but every man in that prison cell watched the Lord subdue this madman. This raging bull went from a roaring lion to a peaceful lamb. Like peace just flooded this man's soul. And so, of course, the guys are looking at me going, dude, who are you? Well, now, um, more opportunities to minister the gospel and share with them God's word. Well, a few more hours after that, the door opens up and another guy comes in. He's a Rastafarian, if you know them, the Jamaica guys, you know, with the dreadlocks. And again, now he he is not a raging bull, but he is fuming. He is seething. And uh, boy, he is letting out the vibe big time. And so he's seated across from me and he is staring above me like like laser beams above me, like burning holes into the wall. Slowly but surely, his eyes come down and they meet mine. Now, you got to picture this. Again, all these guys are in this jail cell with me. He goes, you, you. He goes, man, I saw you on TV and I wanted to talk to you. And I got into my car and I was on my way to City Hall because I wanted to talk to you. And here you are. So literally, he saw me on TV. I guess saw some of the the press and the interviews and he's rushing over because he wants to talk to me and on his way over 
there was a traffic violation. He's arrested. He's thrown in jail. And there I am. Well, this turns into a three-hour ministry opportunity where he surrendered his life to the lordship of Jesus Christ. And when I say this was glorious, this was glorious. In fact, through the night, there were four, I would say, genuine salvations. There may have been more before that I definitely know um, the Spirit of God convicted these men and, and granted them eternal life. Uh, it was so. It was such a powerful night. Well, this is where it gets dangerous because as I'm ministering the gospel to this uh, this Jamaica dude, um, I'm talking about Planned Parenthood, the Negro Project, and how uh, white liberals are using abortion to wipe out the black race. Well, remember that guy I was telling you about that was sleeping and was unaware any of this was going about? Well, he awakes. And when I say this guy is a big dude, we're talking probably 6'5", 6'6", 300 pounds jacked. This is like a football player sized prisoner. And he rouses himself. He wakes from sleep. He sits up. And he is staring at me. And all of a sudden, he starts banging his chest. A and B. A and B. Well, <clears throat> I don't know what the heck he's talking about. Excuse me. <laughs> but all the black brothers know exactly what he's talking about. Aryan brothers. So this guy is a racist. Excuse me. <clears throat> He is a racist to the max, and he's hearing me expose the racism of Planned Parenthood against the black race, and he is enraged. So he stands up, he has a handkerchief, and he's wrapping it around his hand, and he's coming toward me. And again, brothers and sisters, I'm thinking, this is it. You know, this guy's going to grab me, make a wish, and I'm, I'm going to go home to be with the Lord. I'm going to die here. And so, you know, he comes walking towards me, staring me down. He's seething. And again, um, especially when it comes to bullies, I've learned you never turn your eyes from them. And so I kept my eye on him. He came walking toward me and he said, I'm going to kill you right here now. I'm going to murder you right here, right now. You're a dead man. And he's threatening my life. And so I looked to him and I said, well, the Lord has called me to preach. And that's what I'm going to do. So you do what you got to do. And I'll do what I got to do. Well, whatever I said, he backed off and he stood down. And so when that happened, again, especially amongst the blacks of the cell, like the Lord just totally gave me their hearts and once again i became sort of like the intern pastor of the cell and uh it was such a well obviously it was an eventful experience there were <laughs> there was a lot of danger there was a lot of threats uh 
But I'm telling you, the Lord, he showed up and uh, he did some glorious things. Now, again, brothers and sisters, I'm not saying that every time I went to jail that, you know, these kinds of experiences happened. But I am telling you, some of the times it did happen. And through it all, through all the rescues, um, I was probably facing about 10 years in federal prison and probably a little over two years in jail. But by God's grace, he delivered me out of them all. And so obviously, we give God the glory and praise to his holy name. Well, that's the conclusion of this episode, The Prisoner of the Lord. And as usual, you keep pressing on to the high calling prize in Jesus' name. God bless you, saints. And oh, by the way, I'm going to have a link to Pastor Matt's Chuella video that's supporting the 23 brethren facing the tyranny of the federal beast for rescuing children today. And I'm also going to provide a link to support the I Stand with the 11 who are a part of those 23. So you could support them through prayer and maybe even donate to their just cause. Anyway, till next time, this is Kingdom Moments with Rusty Thomas. God bless you.